All right, guys, I got to tell you about a sweet new product. Badass just came out. Um, we just found it. It's called Pro Bands by Get Adrift Outdoors. Basically what it is, it's a single piece of silicone designed to be form-fitted to the, your tippet spool, covers your tippet spool. You take your original elastic band off that tends to fade out, tends to lose elasticity, and you put this silicone on. It saves the trouble of your tippet coming off your spool, coming unraveled, getting in a mess. We've all been there. We've all felt it. I know Ryan's felt it. He felt it the other day. Yeah, exactly. This just happened to me the other day fishing the Gunnison. I break off. I go to tie on more tippet. I look down, and my one and two X have spooled out. You got a bird's nest. The elastic band has gotten wallowed out from the sun and, and whatever else is wear and tear. And yeah, I got I got just line hanging everywhere. So instead of worrying about trying to feed your line through your grommet again and try and worry about it again, you got to go and cut everything out and deal with it. Right. So I lose probably 15, 20, maybe $30 and tip it. And I'm thinking the whole time, like, man, why don't they make a better product on these things? Now there is. Right. Pro Bands by Get Adrift Outdoors. Go to getadriftoutdoors.com. And right now, if you're listening to the podcast, you can get 35% off your order using promo code GUIDEDTRIPPOD at checkout. 35% off. Time is money, folks. Use it. Check them out. Right, Ryan McVeigh and I are here to do a podcast about Tippet tonight. Um, a lot of things to cover about Tippet. It can be a little excruciating to go over at times, <laughs> <laughs> but um, before we get into Tippet, we're actually going to answer some emails and go over a couple things just that some listeners have sent in. Um, so I believe Ryan has one lined up kind of right off the bat here. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting one uh, from Instagram. Uh, he writes, I'm planning on coming to Colorado late spring or early summer to fish. I have only fished Colorado in the winter. Where would you suggest fishing that time of year as far as best fishing and least crowded? I am wide open, so if you had, a plan, if you had to plan a trip, what would you do? I think... I kind of screwed that one up, bringing it up to you. Because oh yeah, no, it does say late spring, early summer to fish. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, coming in Colorado, late spring, early summer. Um, that one's tough, man. Um, it's a tough call to make because of the snowpack we've gotten this year in Colorado. We are definitely trying to plan a podcast and working on one about looking at the snowpack, looking at flow charts, looking at stream flow and trying to decide when is a good time and how to plan your trip going about that. Um, late spring, early summer is a great time to come out and fish definitely. But you know, depending on our snow, depending on our water, it's hard to say right now, right now it's looking really fickle. It, it, you know, I've, and I, it's, I know it's just one of those tough questions where it's like, yes, that can be an awesome time to be here, right. depending on when that snow melts, how it melts, 
if we're going through runoff because I've definitely seen it where, you know, middle of June, we can't float, we can't fish because it's just chocolate milk. It's running, you know, four grand, five grand, and that just doesn't do it. Um, it's tough to fish that time of year. And a lot of places in Colorado will be that way. Right. And I've also seen, you know, late March, there's still ice on the water. Um, a good example is the Lake Fork. Um, it's just really fickle. We've gotten a lot of snow this year in reference to last year. Um, but not as much snow this year is in reference to a couple of years ago. So, definitely. um, you know, spring, uh, er, spring and, and spring can early, be good though. Yeah. You know, and I spring mean, will be phenomenal on some April rivers can be here. great, you right. know, for sure. I mean, not just for the Gunnison, but a lot of rivers right. around Colorado, but I'd say right now trying to say, Hey, this is where you should go. This date is going right. to be pretty tough for us to tell right now. Right. Um, even for us guides, you know, we're trying to book trips and trying to figure out how much snow we are going to have and what we're going to do when we are actually going to be able to fish and have it fish well. So it's a great question. It's just, it's tough for us to kind of follow through with that right now. So like I said, we want to do a follow-up and um, try and try and help you guys with planning trips, especially if coming to the West, you know, even Montana, Idaho, uh, Wyoming, Colorado, that's, it's tough to figure out. Um, right. But so Cameron, as you, uh, you know, you being a guide right now, would you volunteer to say that, yeah, you should come down here or, uh, late spring? No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if it, if it, if I mean, it, what do you consider late spring? Like it, being May? Yeah. I would say no in May. Okay. No to May. No to May. For Colorado in general. Okay. Um, I'd say, would you say yes to April? Yes to April. Yes to April. Yes. Um, June can be tough as well. You know, that's starting to get into summer, but there are some rivers that are going to clear up in June. Right. Um, that can be very fishable. So that it's, it's a tough call right, right now, but I would definitely say no to May. Yeah. So it seems like April is going to be one of the more consistent months you can come down. Uh, March is pretty early. Um, we're not very far from March and we got a lot of snow on the ground and, and rivers locked up. I mean, we're talking, if you talk about the Gunnison right now and the Taylor, they're both almost locked up and that's just here in Gunnison County, right. but there's areas around us that are yeah. about to be fishable. Yeah. And, um, and we're talking, I mean, if you want to come down here in spring and fish, the, and fish to catch and release in the Taylor, yeah, go for it. I know one of my favorite times to fish the Arkansas is, you know, April, May, Absolutely. and that's a more regulated right. system where, you know, it's dam release and they actually regulate those flows a lot more. Right. So like I said, I mean, mother's day hatch, you know, over in the Arkansas, that's famous straight up. So, I mean, I, I float the Arkansas a lot in April, May and March. Um, it can fish well, but, yeah. and, and, and as we said, you know, so we're talking about the Arkansas. I mean, uh, you've, this person's already done his research. I'm assuming. Yeah. Go check out the frying pan. I mean, if you got time, um, and money's not an issue, uh, yeah, hit so a few spots. There's a lot of places you can go Absolutely. for sure. But as for saying here, you know, and areas kind of right. surrounding that aren't as regulated, it's pretty tough to yeah. tell. Um, definitely. But so hopefully we kind of helped you out with that. If not, man, I don't know what to tell you there. Good question. <laughs> Sorry. We don't have any specifics for you. Uh, uh, so another one that came in, this question is coming from Alex. Um, thanks for emailing right. us, Alex, but this is actually regarding our last podcast. Um, I guess it's pertaining a little bit more to myself, but it says, uh, I was wondering what holster or rig that you use to carry a pistol while waiting. What is the most comfortable? I fish in no man's country in the northern part of Wisconsin out of cell range, and I'm thinking about bringing my concealed carry pistol 
with me because of people and moderately big four-legged creators. So putting it in my sling pack would not be an option. Cameron, I'm going to go ahead and fill this question. <laughs> uh, when I'm usually fishing with my pistol, uh, one, I'm wearing jeans, and I just tuck it into my underwear, man. So next question. <laughs> next question. Uh, slip it in your wading boot. You know, if you got a small one, put it in your wading boot. Um, this is actually a good question, and it's it's – it's good that this was brought up because actually Gink and Gasoline Fishing Blog just posted an article the right. other day um, talking about carrying while fishing. It wasn't necessarily how to do it, you know, what's the best option, what holsters are best, but they did post, um, you know, saying, hey, is this morally right or wrong? This is why I do it. And, you know, I have my own opinions on it. Everybody else does this. As we said in the last podcast, this is a touchy subject to kind of go over. Um but there could be some great comments in there where people say how they do it, um, how they like to carry while they're on the river. Basically, when I'm carrying on the river, um, if I'm waiting, you know, and I'm in waders, then I actually carry a bigger pistol. I and I carry a paddle holster, and it has a locking trigger grip, or sorry, locking trigger guard. Where basically I put my pistol in that holster, and it locks the pistol in place. I have to hit a button pretty much as I pull my pistol out. That way I know that if I were to take a digger, if I were to fall, my pistol's not going to be falling out of my holster and in the river, or it's not going to accidentally, accidentally discharge or anything stupid like that. Um, I do that, like I said, when I'm wearing waders. And what I'll do is I actually kind of toss my regular wading belt and I wear a tactical belt. I know that sounds super fancy. No, you look good. <laughs> you look good when you do it. It's basically just a stiffer belt that helps to hold a holster. Um, and I can carry that, you know, kind of on my three o'clock area and still wear sling pack or hip pack. And it doesn't really bother me too much. Definitely have to work around it a little bit, but if you are concealing, you have to work around that no matter what and try and figure out how to wear it. Um, if I'm just wet waiting, you know, I'm not wearing waist waiters, excuse me, wasters, um, <laughs> waiters, then I actually just carry, um, an inside the waistband holster and I have a smaller pistol. I carry inside the waistband. That way it's hidden. Nobody knows I even have it. And I do main, I've mainly wet weighed. Um, and I mean, if you have pant waders, you can still do inside the, inside the waistband carry, but, um, you know, there's a lot to look into with holsters. I'm not an expert on it. I'm not telling anybody how to carry a pistol or, you know, I'm not an expert on firearms either, but this is just my opinion, what I like to use. Um, so that is, that's a good question as well, you know, and it's, it has been touched on a number of times and it, it was kind of, I don't know if it was coincidental or what that, I mean, literally right after we right. posted that, um, that podcast, it, Gink and Gasoline had something about it as well. So. Yeah. Go ahead and read that article. I, I just read it and I thought it was really informative. Uh, I personally don't carry a pistol on the river, but, um, if I were to, that would be a really good article to read. Um, to just makes to give it, you makes some you insight. think a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Too. But, um, yeah, great question. Thanks for sending that in. Um, and I think we got maybe one more here. Um, yeah, thanks, Alex. That was a great one. Um, so next question um, comes from Adrian out of Mississippi. Being from a troutless state, Mississippi, the easiest access to trout is northern Arkansas. Tailwater fishing at its finest. Hatches are very mild compared to Colorado. Thus, we nymph a lot. Um, two things I've noticed that you mentioned in the first few podcasts. Um, so basically I, I believe this guy's a new listener. He's coming back and kind of listening to some of the ones I did earlier. 
Um, and I did talk about some nymphing in the earlier podcast, just my techniques, what I like to do, but this is actually a three part question here. So we got a couple things to cover. Um, so the first part, he said that what he noticed in the first few podcasts, uh, he says, you mentioned cutting tippet, then tying it back on so you can use the knot to stop weights from sliding. Yes, that's exactly what I do. Um, that's the method I've found that works best for me. As do I. Um, then he goes on to say, I find it easier to crimp on a super small weight first, a size eight or six, 0.08 grams. Um, these bite the five X tippet and keep the larger weights from sliding down. So basically what I believe that Adrian is doing is taking a full liter, um, no knots in it, just completely tapered liter out of the package is what I'm kind of gathering from this and then crimping on a small weight to hold up bigger weights. Right. Um, first thing I got to say about that, you know, I haven't really heard that method. Uh, I've never really used that method. It's not something that I was, uh, I grew up on or was taught. Um, so I, I definitely tie in, you know, either right. a lefty cray or surgeons or blood knot or something and, and keep my weights above that. That works for me, but basically starting to think about this kind of right off the top of my head here is especially if it's cold, you know, this time of year, it's really tough to right. handle those little weights right? and try and get them out of the, you know, out of your little tin and then put them on your line right? and then have to manage well, those. Yeah. And it makes sense, I guess, right off the bat. And like I said, I don't fish this rig either and I'm not dogging the guy for doing it. Maybe, Definitely. maybe this is a great way to fish. Yeah. Uh, um, it's just, it's, this is foreign to us. But I get it, you know, you're rigging up the night before, you know where you're going, you've done your research, um, you've already built your leader, and maybe, and then I, you put your 5X, or you put your, your, your size 8 or 10, or 8 or 6 weight on there, and then, you know, rig your but, weight from there. I mean, what I think but about it'd is... It'd be tough to do every time, you know, when it's cold outside, and you're trying definitely. to get that tiny little weight and on I your 5X. And I think about, I mean, pinching on that small weight to get it to stay, like a lot of times the the interactions i've had with those little weights i definitely use them you know on right. hopper dropper rigs or dry dropper rigs uh, occasionally of course i need to get down a little deeper i might use a really small split shot but you pinch those too much and they break i mean they break off and then you got to get out a new one and use right. that and then if i think about it you know if you're trying to pinch on that weight to a point where it's going to hold up maybe two bbs or two abs is that damaging your tippet who knows if that's flattening out your tippet and then now all of a sudden you have a different breaking point right um you know and if you break off you might lose that weight who knows and right. then now you got a bigger problem um again we're not we're just kind of walking through this you know what's going through our heads here right um i also think about you know we talked about this a little bit but you know, it's a lazy move for sure, but you pick up that nymph rig after dragon bottom and you pick it up and there's moss on your flies, there's crud on your flies, and I'm not the first guy to do it. I know that. I see guys do it all the time. What do you yeah. do? You smack those flies on the water. And we see good, Almost a whirlwind. Yeah. And we know? see good guys doing it too. Not, <laughs> not, not just us. Yeah, not just random Texans on the river or, you know, just random people on the river that don't quite know what they're doing. Uh, you do this. And you do this on negative 10 degree days because you can't really afford to touch your yeah. your rig and get your hands wet and cold so i mean we kind of do this whirlwind where we smack <laughs> yeah. our flies on the water to get that shit off there and you know occasionally if i think about it those weights are going to slide all of them are yeah all of them if i don't have a knot there those weights are going to slide and i mean my method isn't perfect either because what i've noticed i might smack that a couple times and i 
sling a weight off there. It just comes off. We've all know? done it. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you look, you're like, why am I not hitting bottom anymore? Why am I not catching fish? <laughs> you pick up, it's negative exactly. 30 out and you go, shit, I lost a weight because I was a dumbass and lazy and I was smacking my flies on the water, trying to smack off all the crowd. Um, so I think about that as well. You know, that's going to be really tough to, um, to have that little weight there. I mean, it's going to slide and come off, man. I mean, I mean, without the, in my opinion, without the knot, I don't see it working. Right. I mean, yeah. And like I said, this guy must, he, he might have some experience. We don't, and maybe it doesn't slide. Um, but, and that's not even the biggest issue for me. My biggest issue is the extra weight, right? Exactly. Um, now I have to adjust everything based on that small weight I do, especially in tailwater, right? Um, you're fishing the catch and release up at the tailor. And now I have to think about you know, am I going to throw that weighted fly? I have to throw something else. Definitely. Uh, do I have tungsten on my next fly yeah. that I can't now throw? And that's what we brought up, you know, where it's like now, if, especially if I'm tying flies or whatever, now I got to think about, all right, I'm adding extra weight to my rig right. just to hold up my weight. You know, it sounds a little weird, but now I got to think exactly. If I'm tying flies, I could go, okay, I got to tie brass. I got to tie tungsten. Now I can't confuse them in my box. What is what? Right. And then I don't want to be grabbing a tungsten. And then right. all of a sudden I'm on bottom, you know, just dragging when I don't right. want to be. It seems like, not saying this is wrong because I haven't tried it. I'll, I'm Next time I go, I'm going to give it a go, check it out, see what happens. Yes. And, and, yeah, and but, kudos to this guy for being uh, – you know, for his ingenuity. Definitely. Um, it, if it works, it works, man. Yeah. And if it works for you, man, yeah, keep on exactly. fishing it. This more is, power to you. Honestly, like we said, this is just all our yeah. personal opinion. We're just kind of spitballing here, just talking yeah, about definitely. things. So do you, do you want to read the next part of that question? Do you have that in front of you there? Let's see. Yeah, I think I do. As I recall, this part, it was a little bit... Um, it was it was tough to understand right off the bat. Okay. Do you have it? Yeah, I got okay. it. So, and he's he he starts off with football bobber. He's talking about thingamabobbers, yeah, right? Thingamabobbers. Okay. I would assume. Just yeah. just just want to make sure I'm clear. So, football slash football bobber slash indicators. All right. They float on they float on their side. They have they have some that are painted two different colors, which I haven't seen in a while. They basically look like an old school bobber. Right. Like one will be painted, yeah. you know, half of it will be painted white. I kind of recall white. when I first moved up here, I saw yeah, those. I don't see them anymore. Half will be painted white, right. half will be painted pink right. or red or whatever. Um, so basically this guy writes, if you pay attention uh, to the bottom color, it will point the direction your flies are. If the lower half is pink and pointed upstream, then flies are behind the bobber. If the pink end is leading and pointing downstream, then the flies will be pulling the bobber downstream. I'm sorry for reading like a third grader on this, <laughs> yeah. but I'm I'm just making sure I understand what so I'm reading. So it's a little well. complicated the way he's putting it, but I mean I understand it's tough probably for the listeners to understand basically. But what he's saying is, as I explained, it's a it's a thingma bobber that is split. It's got two different colors. Like I said, it looks like an old school bobber. One side is white, one side is red. Um, or pink is in his case. Um, and basically what he's saying is that thingamabobber will sit on his side and you're going to have the part that attaches to your leader is sideways, is parallel with the water almost. Um, and if one color is pointing downstream, then your flies might be pointing a different way or pulling or dragging or something like that is what I'm gathering from right. this. Is basically, hey, look at your indicator, um, and I, I remember, you know, doing this podcast when I was talking about it. And I, I, I'm not sure if he's talking about when I was 
discussing high water techniques, you know, almost pulling your indicator a little bit to try and get your flies to be behind your bobber or how to move that. But basically what we're talking about is we don't want micro drag exactly in our indicator or our indicator changes position in the water and is no longer pulling our flies Our flies are pulling the indicator. I believe is what he's discussing, discussing here. Um, and again, I love the idea, you know, but it's tough, you know, as a guide to try and teach somebody that for sure. Exactly. And say, Hey, you got to watch both of these colors. If this color does this, do that. If this color does this, do this and change it this way. Um, there's an easy way to fix this kind of right off the bat that I think about, um, Patrick Blackdale, who has been on the podcast, just wrote an article for Orvis. Um, I haven't read that yet. And he talks about a double indicator rig where basically you put on your regular thingamabobber and then you might take some loon bio, is it loon maybe bio strike? Um, I can't remember. Or you can just use like a pinch on indicator. Okay. And you put that above your thingamabobber towards your fly line. How far? Uh, you know, like maybe eight inches or so, okay. um, you know, 12 inches maybe. And basically what happens is, is if that pinch on indicator starts moving below your regular indicator, it's going to have micro drag. So what you're going to do is move that. You're going to lift up and do a mend and move your pinch on back behind your regular indicator. And that's tough when we're talking about drag because there's so much turbulent current going on underneath the water that it's definitely tough to try and figure out where your flies are and how to do that. And I think what I mentioned in this podcast was basically almost when you go to make a mend, you kind of pull your flies downstream just a tad. And, you know, I, we've talked about that together right. on the river and how to adjust, you know, that. Oh, we got microphone problems. We got microphone people. issues. You got to do this guy. There you go. Now it's not top heavy. Goodness. Um, but basically, you know, adjusting that indicator. And so that's an easy way to fix that right off the bat. Just try, you know, the the double indicator rig. Like I said, my buddy Patrick Blackdale, been on the podcast, wrote it for Orvis. Um, another cool tip that not a lot of people have heard of, and Ryan's giving me this look right now. He's like, I don't know what it's about to come out of your yeah, mouth what are right you, now. What are you getting at? To, to adjust that indicator where it sits right, you know, where it's floating right with the water and floating where that piece that attaches to to the leader is floating down you know your little grommet that's floating down what you can do is take a piece of weight this guy already likes to add weight to his rigs take a piece of weight and put it three inches below your indicator huh and what that does is it pulls your indicator so it sits upright pulls your leader down into the column it gets your flies down quick and that indicator is going to have more sensitivity to it because it's sitting upright. So that's an easy fix right there. Again, this guy already likes to add weight to his rigs. Why not add another little piece of split shot, put it right below your indicator, and that's going to allow that indicator ride, or the bobber, whatever, thing the bobber, it's going to ride upright. Uh, that's a little bit more sensitive. No, that's it. actually really interesting. I, yeah, I personally don't like adding extra, extra, you know, but it, at least you're adding it to the top and right. not to the bottom. Exactly. Of your right. And that helps your leader right. get down and cuts the water a true, little bit. True. So, um, that's a, an easy, easy fix to have that in solid indicator, have it ride. No, the that's way really interesting. That'd be a, that'd be interesting to try out actually, just to check out and see how Definitely. it works. I don't know how it casts. It must not cast, cast that. No, nah, it either. can't cast that differently. I mean, nah. if you add a little 
BB up there or right. something like that. It's not going to cast much. What size BB are you thinking? Adam? Like a an eight or a six? <laughs> not that, I don't think that small. I don't know. Oh. I mean, it, it's got to go on leader. Right. So oh. it's going to have to be able to fit around it's the leader. It's got a pinch, right? Yeah. I mean, I think if you added a BB up there, it's not going to matter too much. Right. It might feel a little heavier casting. But all that's going to do, like I said, is just help that leader cut the water a little bit. That's, that's and, actually, and it's going to hold your indicator the way it's supposed to be held. That's actually that's really a, interesting. Yeah, I read that one a um, couple months ago, that's and cool. I saw that, and I went, man, this is just this is genius, you know? And I, Yeah. So that's an easy way to fix that where you don't have to worry about trying to watch two different colors. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and... And like I said, this, if, I mean, if you're that dialed, man, fish your setup. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, These but, are just, you know, things right. that are popping in our heads. Yeah. For sure. But I mean, for, you know, for the new fishermen out there too, that's, that's pretty complicated, man. You're already just trying to stand up in the river and make sure you don't fall down. And right. you got your new hip pack and you got all oh, your net hanging off the back and you tip it and you're just <laughs> exactly. trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And yeah. now you're watching a two-tone indicator move around, you know, there's, uh, that could get pretty complicated pretty fast. Uh, Definitely. For the guys out there that can do it, then that's cool. Uh, that sounds I think pretty what rad. we're trying to do is just kind of simplify some of these things that this guy's talking about. We're not dogging on him, saying he's wrong. Right. Um, this is just what we think about when we're seeing it. Right. So the three-parter of this is basically just says, airlock indicators are legit. <laughs> we both kind of look at each other, but... I've never really been a user of the airlock indicators. Um, I was already kind of using the thingamabobbers when these came out, and I went, ah, I don't know if I want to adjust and try and figure this out. I, I'm not too familiar with them. I know my repercussions from using them or before I have used them. Um, it doesn't mean they're not useful. I know I, I get the fact they don't crimp your leader. That's a huge one. A right. lot of people worry about that crimp in their leader, especially if they're spending money on, you know, fancy fluoro leaders or whatever. Um, and it doesn't slide on your leader, which is nice. You know, you can right. and basically what we're talking about it, an airlock leader or sorry, an airlock bobber um, indicator is basically it looks just like a thing in bobber. But on the top of it where you might, you know, do just a little slip loop to attach your thing of bobber, it actually has a groove with almost like a screw type thing and yeah a little, i think it's got a, screw. a little nut almost yeah. it's like a plastic nut with the kind of a gasket yeah so, so it doesn't so you'd fit your line in the or your leader in the groove and then you'd screw on your plastic little nut and it stays in place right um i know that's you can look them up online it's kind of hard for us to explain it but um I, you know, the other thing I think about is just more moving parts, man. Right. Um, you know, you got to worry about screwing on a little plastic piece, especially if it's cold. Right. It's a lot harder to do that if it's cold. And we worry about the cold a lot. And I know I keep coming back to that, but it is still winter. Well, the cold matters for us. I yeah. mean, it, you know, I just went over to Pleasure Park and I'm, you know, I'm fishing in 38 degrees, but 38 degrees is still cold. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, it, it and before it was 38, it was still 15 before the noon, you know? Definitely. So, I mean, I'm still having ice up guides. I'm still having the same issues you have with winter fishing. And I agree with you. I Moving parts, uh, And I think about me. it, like, every time, I, I mean, I have a couple of them. I don't really use them too much. Most of the time, I just come across them. You know, either a client leaves them with me or something, or it's just in my boat, or somebody left it there. Every time I go to tie one on, or, or not tie one on, but put one on, I just have this thought in my head every time where I'm like, I'm going to drop this little, this little nut, right? you know, this little screw part. Every time I go to move this or put it on or whatever, 
And then I'm screwed. I don't have any more of those pieces. And then I got to worry about that. And the mechanism is designed to unscrew so you can slide it. Exactly. So you can unscrew it. It doesn't have to come all the way off. You just loosen it and then slide your indicator and tighten it. But your first initial, when you put it on, you have to be dead on. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I get it. I get the idea. I mean, I'm I'm down with the sickness. We, we the technology in fly fishing is just getting phenomenal. Uh, they're making ease of fishing so much better. Oh yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's it's. Uh, if you like them, you like them. Personally, I'm just uh, I'm a purist, so I don't like to change. But I mean, <laughs> even a purist shouldn't be using an indicator. You know, <laughs> we shouldn't be using thingamabobbers as purists. But <laughs> it's a new um, it's a new pure man. So I mean, th- these are great comments, you know, and bringing up some things for sure. Again, these are just our opinions. Right. Um, you know, not saying this guy's wrong or anything. These are just kind of the things we think about that. that I do think where the guy could be, uh, and like I said, I don't use them very often, but the airlock, you know, we all have the same problem when we're, when we drop our indicator way low on our tippet, your indicator slides. Yeah. Um, especially if you have to make some stupid, you know, uh, you know, big back cast to forecast on a big river, uh, and you throw your indicator straight to your weights. Um, yeah, maybe with the airlock indicator, you don't do that, um, yeah. which is cool. And I, I, you know, who knows, maybe they're working on, I, I don't know. I can't even say actually. So never mind. Forget that point. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. You're um, out of your depth, Cameron. Yeah, I'm out of my element, Tommy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, those are, those are great things to bring up. Um, again, these are just how we, we like to do it, but. Come um, up here, man, and school us. Show yeah, us, no, uh, I, I, like I said, I'm going to try some of these things and see if I can, um, see if they work for me, see if I like them better than what I have been doing. That's I'm, we're all trying to learn, you know, yeah. and learn different techniques and different things. Yeah. Hopefully you can, you know, take this in as well and say, Hey, these are great pointers as well. Yeah. And hopefully, um, this helped a little bit, but, um, don't hesitate to email us again. We're going to try and do this. Every podcast, go over some emails. We wanted to spend some more time on this first section that we're doing this on, you know, right. it's the first time we've really gone over emails, but, um, that means that people are listening and they want to engage, so that's good. But and we um, do apologize for our uh, for our third to fifth grade reading levels. <laughs> right, we're just fishermen, guys. Yeah, we we don't we're not that <laughs> educated. But um, yeah, don't hesitate to email email us theguidedtrip at gmail.com. Pretty easy. You can also go to theguidedtrip.com contact page um, and send us an email. That way, it gives us all your info. It gives us a subject, everything. We kind of sort through some things and add it to our talk. Yeah. Um, and it, we do, and we do enjoy getting them. Uh, they're a definitely. lot of fun to read. They're a lot yeah. of fun to go. Over. I try and respond to as many as I can, you know, and, um, I, I send emails all the time. I didn't want to send this one an email. I wanted to cover it on the podcast. Cause I think there was some that people yeah. should hear. It was for fun sure. for us too. Yeah, to, definitely. To field um, these, uh, to field all these, uh, interesting points for sure. But it, it is good that we kind of talked about, you know, attaching tippet and attaching weights to tippet because this is our Tippet podcast. We're going to talk, um, how we like to use Tippet. And honestly, it's going to be, some of it's going to be pretty much in layman's terms, you know, what Tippet is and how we use it, how you should use it, why you should use it. Um, so some of it is going to not come off as natural as normal, just (laughs) because we're trying to convey a point that, um, some people who have never fished before might not understand what Tippet is. So, 
we'll kind of get into it. Um, we're also halfway sober too. Yeah, exactly. So. We, uh, we are. Cause um, we have to read a little bit on this one and yeah, we tried to make it a point. We're not going to drink too many before the <laughs> podcast here. Um, but, but we're working on it. You'll hear some beers <laughs> cracking here and there, but, um, so basically, you know, what is Tippet? You know, why do we need it? Um, basically in a literal explanation, like I said, it's going to be almost layman's terms at times, but tippet is the very end of the leader that attaches to the fly. Um, on a tapered leader, the tippet is going to be your thinnest section, uh, of, of that leader. Um, tippet material is going to attach together, uh, or to a leader using specific knots. It's also used to attach flies together in a multi-fly rig. And we are going to get into that, you know, how to kind of rig and use this tippet in certain aspects. But like I said, we're just kind of going through, you know, what is tippet for people who aren't sure. Um, you know, tippet is, is usually going to come on a 20 to 30 yard spool and is categorized by X's. Not, not a lot of people realize that they don't understand the X as fly fishermen. We have to complicate everything and we have to (laughs) turn it into X's. But basically what the X means is going to mean diameter. Um, it's not necessarily how much brake strength there is. A lot of people believe that there is going to be brake strength, obviously, but people don't understand that the X is going to be diameter. Right. And we will get into that as well. Um, it's going to, it does get a little complicated here, but we're going to, we're not going to blow your minds. No, we won't. I mean, a lot of people already know this, like I said, but I might as well go over some of these things, but, um, these tippet spools can also be bought not only in 20, 30 yards, um, but guide spools are a hundred yard spools. Um, as, as guides, we already talked about how to conserve your tippet and now we have a new product to do that. But, um, we go through a lot of tippet. We go through a lot of people. We tie on a lot of flies. And so those guide spools are great, 100 yards. If you don't fish that much, you might not need a 100-yard spool because that might sit, you know, for six to eight months and not be used. And then it's going to rot. Exactly. It's not going to be in good shape. So definitely think about that when you go to buy tippet. You know, you don't necessarily need that guide spool. And, you know, depending on how you buy it, it could be a little bit pricier for sure. Um, so we, we brought up X's. And, you know, I have a couple stories that involve Tippet and how I got into Tippet, and I do want to bring those up, but I have a moment when I want to bring up those stories and why. <laughs> um, and they are, they're entertaining for sure, but um, basically I brought up the point of X's, right? You know, why do we have to complicate everything? Are we going to talk about all your X's? Yeah, all my X's. <laughs> too many of them, man. But um, basically, when you go to buy Tippet, you're going to see 0X, 1X, 2X, 3X, and so on. They go all the way down to 8X, which I can't even imagine what that looks like. I don't even touch anything below 5X have you usually. Even, can you even buy 8X in Gunnison? I don't think I that's even a thing. I don't know if it's possible. And you can buy half Half X's. I don't I'm not going to get into okay. half X's. Yeah, we'll just That's leave. too complicated. We'll leave that alone. Yeah, we're going to leave half X's alone. <laughs> but basically, as X's, you know, you're going to, if you go to buy Tippet, you've never bought Tippet before, you're going to look on the wall, there's going to be tons of Tippet, and it's all going to say X. It's all going to be categorized zero through seven or eight. Who knows? Um, but basically, like I said, this is where it gets a little bit more complicated, but the X's refer to diameter. Um well, and, and Cameron will explain all this. Um, yes. But for the layman, just understand this much. Lower the X, thicker the diameter. Yes, exactly. Um, Zero X will be a lot thicker than four yes. X. That's an easy... 
Thank you. That's yeah. an easy way to explain it. So instead of me getting too complicated about it, lower the X, the thicker that the diameter. Yeah. That's Which by definition is also the higher the brake strength. Yes. Uh, or wait, wait, am I saying that right? Lower the brake strength. Stronger the tippet, <laughs> lower the X. <laughs> exactly. So zero X again is going to be a lot thicker than say four X and a lot stronger than four X. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's a good way to put that, but I'm not going to go into the diameters, but most companies will have the same diameter. They try to, a lot of companies say they have the true X, right? The true diameter. Um, but brake strength will vary depending on company. Definitely sure. right. Um, and we'll get into it, but it will vary depending on nylon and fluorocarbon as well. You know, your brake strength varies somewhat. And that um, variance will, um, will, uh, correlate to cost as well. Exactly. And we're, yeah, we're jumping right into it here, but just keep in mind diameter is a thing. And this, when we're talking tippet, we want to think about diameter, Absolutely. not necessarily brake strength. Diameter is key. True. Um, and we're going to talk about rigging a little bit here in a minute, but basically your tippet can come in nylon fluorocarbon. Um, your nylon leaders and tippet are generally the standard, strong, flexible, and floats. Think about that. Um, your fluorocarbon is slightly stiffer meaning a little less stretch. It's not as flexible. Um, and it's also going to be less visible in the water and it sinks. It right? sinks. So we have nylon and fluorocarbon that most of us use. Again, nylon is a standard. You don't need fluorocarbon leader, or you don't and, need it. And but. just to interrupt you, so yeah, you, definitely. You, you do hear the conversation all the time that, uh, do you, are you fishing fluoro or mono? Yeah. So for the folks out there, it's all actually monofilament. Yep. Um, so well, mono is one. Exactly. Right? It's uh, all built from one strand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we, you're not going to hear us say mono. We're going to talk, we're going to say nylon. nylon. Exactly. So yeah. we're talking about nylon versus fluorocarbon, just so everyone's clear. And I, I feel like mono more pertains to, um, you know, traditional fishing, spin casting, exactly. bait casting, stuff like that. And when you think about mono, you don't, it's, it's completely different than braided that's going to be different right you know, because it's made from more than one right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> mono means one i'm at, i'm i'm struggling with it yeah i'm here. confused there's too much math we're already getting too complicated give like me, i said this will be kind of complicated for just a moment here um but you know like i said nylon is gonna float fluorocarbon is gonna sink um so knowing some of these attributes it can sway how you buy tippet, right? Um, you know, fluorocarbon is going to be a lot more expensive than nylon. Um, and it definitely is more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to understand if you're getting into this world, like I said, you don't need fluorocarbon right off the bat. You really don't. You really don't. Um, and again, there's stories coming, but if you understand how both work, then you can better understand how to fish them. And so what happens is a lot of people walk into fly shops and they go for the least expensive, not knowing what they're trying to do, not knowing how it's going to react, how it's going to work. It doesn't mean it's not going to work right. Right. It just means if you're getting more technical, which is what we're doing right now, we're right. getting way more technical about some things. 
Um, you want to know how these things work, right? So, um, a good way to explain this, you know, if, if I'm going to be nymphing in some way, traditional nymph rig, a dropper rig, something like that, um, hopper dropper, dry dropper or something, I'm probably going to be choosing fluorocarbon, um, over nylon because of the fact that it sinks, it's going to get down a little bit quicker. Um, and it's a little bit more abrasive. Um, so as it sits on the bottom and I'm dredging bottom, that fluorocarbon might be hitting rocks. It might be grabbing stuff. It's not going to break off as easily, right? Right, exactly. That's and not, it won't get as damaged. Exactly. Um, fluorocarbon's a lot, uh, it's a lot more durable. Um, it doesn't get frayed. It doesn't get uh, fogged up. It, yep. it, it just, it holds it better. It's, a, it's tougher. And then you can go all the way to the other spectrum, you know, where you not throwing an nymph rig anymore. You're not throwing droppers anymore. And I'm throwing a traditional dry fly rig or even a double dry fly rig. I'm going to choose nylon over fluorocarbon, um, for the simple fact that it floats and it's going to stretch some, if I'm throwing dry flies, I need a little bit of slack. I need it to stretch a little bit. Yeah. You want that suppleness. Um, it also, you know, like, especially, you know, depending on what rig you're throwing, um, that suppleness also gives you, like you said, some S curves. Um, definitely. Uh, it's not as stiff. Um, Uh, you know, for the nymph fishermen, you want that stiff, um, conduit, you know, exactly that, that links to itself. Yep. Um, so you get that so, really and, good and hook. And we set. have that fact, you know, that you're throwing dry flies, you need something that floats, right? right. You want your dry flies to float. You're going to throw nylon, not necessarily saying that you have to do that every time. Right. Um, if you put fluorocarbon on a dry fly leader or, between two dry flies that you're throwing might be thrown pretty close. It's not going to drown your dry flies. Exactly. It's not just going to pull them under like it's, you know, a rock. It's not going to just sink your dry. Exactly. Right. Especially if you're throwing chubbies, it will never sink your chubby. Not ever. But I mean, the only time you might go to fluorocarbon on a dry fly rig, let's say you might be fishing a spring Creek where it might be low, clear water or heavily fished water. These fish are weary of flies and you need something that's going to disappear. You need something that they're not going to be able to look at. So that's yeah. actually that's actually a really good point. I didn't I didn't know if we were going to make that point today. But what, what Cameron's basically saying is that fluoro will kind of sink into that subsurface water a little bit, um, and it, one, it won't cast as much of a shadow. Um, this is also for the catch and release dry fly fishermen, um, and it won't be as spooky to fish. Um, and some people say like, oh, it might pick up with a little bit of a pop. Um, if you can pick your fly line up, you can pick your fly line up without making too much noise. Um, it's a good tactic. Definitely. Um, so these are just kind of some different ways you might use nylon or fluoro. Like I said, I, if you know all the attributes and how these tippets work, then you can adjust and decide how you want to do it. You know, I'm not on my spool of tippet. I'm not carrying you know, two X fluorocarbon. I'm not carrying three X fluorocarbon. I'm not exactly. I right. don't need it. Nope. I really don't. If I need to go all the way up to three X, two X, I'm fine with nylon, even nymphing. Exactly. I'm perfectly right. fine with it. hundred percent. Nothing's going to happen. So we can almost segue into when can we use that two X, three X, right? So the diameter, we talked about it, but there is a point where you can't use certain tippet, right? Um, that diameter is going to change, and you might not be able to fit a 2X in a size 18 parachute atoms. 
Right. You never know. You might want that break strength, but right. this isn't what we're talking about right now. I think point blank period. Um, fish the thickest diameter you can get away exactly. with. Exactly. That's a great point right there for the you know the joe schmo fisherman who's not no nobody wants to lose that fish of a lifetime because they put 6x on a nymph rig that they didn't need to put 6x exactly uh i think if you need need 6x you probably shouldn't be you know fishing there in the (laughs) 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 um but basically i think the point cameron's making here is um even if you can get 3x your size 18 uh, you know, BWO, that, that, you know, that thicker X tippet is going to cause your fly to act unnaturally. It's going to affect it. Exactly. Um, just so everyone understands, the smaller the tippet, the more natural your fly is going to act. It's not necessarily that fish are going to see the tippet or not. It's more how they're going to see the fly behave. Um, and the thicker, if you put a thick X tippet, say 3x on a size 20 griffith net that griffith net is not going to behave natural exactly and fish are not going to eat it even though you're going to see it on the water as and that's a tough moral decision to make too where you know you might have in situations fishing tailwaters you might have 22 to 28 inch fish in there and you have to make a moral decision okay, how am I going to do this? What's going to fit through my fly? I don't want to hook into one of these 28-inch fish on 6X. I'm not going to play that fish that hard. I'm not going to, you know, work that fish to exhaustion. Exactly right. So Ryan brings up an awesome point. Get away with what you can. Um, And, yeah, you might be able to fit certain diameters through certain flies, but is that going to make it react the way you need it to? Maybe not. Right. So a good way to explain this kind of what I have put down here is, you know, we just brought it up. We've talked about it a little bit, but obviously different sizes of tippet material are going to be meant for different applications, right? The heavier tippet is meant for heavier applications, obviously. Um, Great for building leaders as well, you know, in different scenarios. But an example of this might be if I'm throwing a streamer, I might throw on 1X or even 0X to butt section a leader. Um, I use blood knot there. I'll tie that on. And this is going to be stronger and stiffer than let's say a 4X. I see a lot of common rookie mistakes and I don't put rookie in a bad way. I'm saying that I just see people who aren't as experienced that might tie a streamer on to, you know, a nine foot leader. That's a four or five X leader. And if you're throwing a streamer, in my opinion, you're looking for a trophy fish. You're banging banks. You're trying to pull a big fish out of where they live, right? And they're trying to ambush. You don't want to be sitting there after you hooked into that fish and go, shit, I have <laughs> I have 4X on. Right. I have 5X on. That's not a good way to go about it. And like I said, you're mainly, you know, when I'm fishing a streamer, this is just me, personal, my what I do when I fish streamers, I bang banks. I hit them hard. I'm casting into brush. I'm casting, hitting the bank hard. I'm getting in tough to work areas. I'm trying to get it under trees. I'm trying to get it into hard to get to places. Exactly. You know, 90% of the fish are going to be 10% of the water, right? Um, So we want to get to that. Sounds like our economy. (laughs) (laughs) We want to get to that tough area. So you're going to want something that's going to hold up. 
that's why we have that thicker tippet. You're also going to want something that's going to hold up for when you wrap, when you make that, that gamble cast and you wrap it around a tree limb. I actually have a story that I just thought about after <laughs> saying that. This is kind of a messed up story, but we're going we're gonna to say it anyways. Um, a high water year, I believe it was two years ago, we had a pretty big high water year. Um, and for some reason, cattle decided they wanted to go to the river. And there was a couple sections of river that had dead cattle in them. And again, yes, this is a little gruesome. I don't remember seeing this. There was one um, in between the town stretch and, you know, down towards the lake. There uh. was a dead cow in there. Um, again, it's a little gruesome, but it's it's this is a great point I'm trying to make. Are you, are you basically <laughs> picking up fish in a cow, Eddie? No, 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 no. So this cow's sitting on a, um, a gravel bar, and I'm floating with my buddy. And we roll by and we've, we've had a couple beers, you know, it's happy hour floating. We're happy hour floating works over, you know, we're getting a little happy hour float in and, um, I'm throwing a streamer, just screwing around, you know, it's getting later in the day. And I was like, ah, I'll screw around a minute and throw a streamer. And I usually don't, we'll put it that way. I, you usually don't. I don't, man. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on other things. We've but, already um, had that podcast. Yeah. So we come, we come around the corner in this cow and this cow's on this, on this shelf and it's tag on its ears sitting up in the air. And I look at my buddy, Jared, and I go, I bet I can take that tag right off that cow's ear. <laughs> and he's like, dude, don't even, don't do it, man. Like, don't even try. And I, I cast this streamer and it goes over the head, <laughs> hooks somewhere. And all of a sudden we're going down river in private property and I'm just flossing out line going, shit, I just hooked a dead cow. <laughs> Luckily, I have heavy tippet on. I go to roll cast it towards the cow exactly. and try and get it off. Wraps around its head. <laughs> oh, my God. This is, like I said, it's a little gruesome. It's pretty vulgar. Wrapped around this dead cow's head. And I'm sitting there going, great, I'm about to break a fly line. Fly line's about to break. I'm, that's what's about to happen. And I point my rod. I'm holding my line. I'm going, shit, 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 shit. Pops. Got the fly back, got my leader back, got everything back. Fly line didn't break. And that's because I was throwing, you know, zero X or odd X at it. No, it's because you had really good fluorocarbon five X. <laughs> I was throwing five X. But that that's just, I, I know that's a messed up story, but that's you know, it's kind of an example That's of, pretty morbid to get know, a point across. I know. I'm I disagree sorry. with that. Yeah, and you know, most people will. We're not gonna cut this. Hey, either. I didn't put I didn't put the cow there. We're not gonna cut or edit this. I, didn't and put, I disagree with it. I didn't put the cow there. But we were both pretty pretty <laughs> grossed out after I brought that fly back. Well, as long that as cow was there for pretty much all summer. Well, it was I'd, rough. You didn't I'd roll always the turn, cow's head in. I'd always turn the boat away and be like, hey, guys, fish over here. When I had clients, like, don't look at the dead cow. <laughs> hey, there's a bald eagle. Oh, I thought I heard a bald eagle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't look over there. That's bad. Um, but, yeah, that's a good point. I'm sorry I brought up that nasty story. But it's a good point to why you might use that heavier tippet. If you're doing dumb shit like I was. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing the fishing was hot. This oh, day. Dude, it was, it was on fire. <laughs> no, it was dead. Uh, but again, on the other hand, as we already brought up, if I need to tie on a size 24 Mitch, 
I'm not going to be able to tie on that with 2X, 1X. I have to taper down. I have to get to something that's smaller that will fit through the eye of that hook. So I have to use a 4 or 5X tippet. Even, you know, like, again, I don't use 6X, but some people do. That's their own opinion. Um, I don't use it, but... And that being said, if you somehow get permission to fish your wealthy buddy's private property, yeah, don't be afraid to string some 3X through the tiniest little hole you can find uh, to land that big dumb fish. You may, you brought up an awesome point, which is basically, yeah, get away get, with anything you can. Get away with the largest diameter yeah. you can. If, if you, you can throw a 6X, sorry, correct myself. Yeah. If you can throw 3X, throw 3X. Yeah. And, I mean, there's been plenty of situations where I've been up at the, you know, the catch and release up at Taylor, Tailwater, where water's flowing high. If I can fit 3X in, I'm going to because those fish aren't going to mind. And I'd rather bring in one of those bigger fish on yeah. 3X than on 5X. Also, have uh, you ever been on the catch and release when someone hooks a big fish on 7X and oh, there's it's a eight nightmare. guys next to him? It's a nightmare. Have you ever seen more yeah. salty people it's, try to get out of the way? It's a goddamn nightmare. Oh, man. And they're yelling at each other like, get that fish under control. And it's like, oh, but well, 7X. Well, you're bad. Dude. Yeah. Shouldn't have done it. Also, you probably wouldn't have caught the fish on 3X, but... Yeah, and they're, again, it depends on what you're fishing, the situation. That's why we're going all over as much as we can here, but it is a tough subject to try. I mean, it can be a moral dilemma at times, Absolutely. trying to figure yeah. out what you're going to think. Yeah, things I didn't think we were actually going to address tonight. Yeah, it can be a moral dilemma. Um, on what X you're fishing. Um, Definitely. 7X, you've got to play a fish a long, long time. And that's tough, man. I mean, do you always need 7X? No. Yeah. There's a lot of places where people, oh, you're going to need, you know, 6, 7X. You're like, ah, doubtful. Right. You know, I can get away with this and it'll work. Right. Because I'm not going to fight a fish that hard. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that to that fish. Exactly. Right. So yeah, that's where we come into a different scenario, different dilemma there. Um, and you know, that's, again, that's all personal preference um if you're in a place again where you have to fish six or seven x you might not you might want to rethink what you're doing there <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but i mean we get it for you tell water fishermen out there we we understand that's that's the game um we're not experts right and well you know and the truth is we haven't even, we haven't discussed i don't know if this is next on the agenda uh but what about you know uh sink rate of smaller diameter is that is that on the i i I hadn't even thought about it that much i mean i'm not too familiar with i don't even think about that too much when i'm on the river i mean point blank period lower diameter um less it's affected by current more it breaks the meniscus of the water tension and and sinks um so i mean the truth is if you're gonna throw you know like fluorocarbon one day you know it sinks um if you're going to throw a pre-built leader, it's got that really thick uh, butt section type leader. Um, that doesn't, it, it, you have to fight current with that. That's where my little trick comes in where you add a, add a little split shot on the bottom of your indicator. Right. Drop that leader a little quicker. I mean, point, just add, add a football. <laughs> and when Ryan's saying football, he's saying bigger weight. Really big much. weight. No, but, but yeah, basically what I'm saying is, uh, for, especially for the nymph fishermen out there, um, especially for the winter nymph fishermen out there. And I might be getting, am I getting way off topic here? I, I don't think so. Keep going. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah. entertain it for a for, minute. For the, 
would you let me get away with this? Uh, you can get away with anything you want. Uh, but yeah, pod- for the, it's our podcast. For the winter fishermen out there, um, do understand that if, one, if you're going to fish a pre-built leader, you're going to have a really thick odd X section on there. One, um, that gets abused by the current. It's really subject to the current. Um, two doesn't sink as fast because it has to because it's not breaking the meniscus of the water of the water surface. It's got more knots. Exactly, it's going to take a minute. <laughs> right, is what you're trying to say. Um, and like. uh, might be wrong there, but right, right. It's no, got more no. knots. It's going to be harder. To well, also, I mean, just the thicker, just that thicker section on. Yeah. Like if you buy, you know, say you go buy a, a tapered leader. Say you go buy a fluorocarbon tapered leader. It's uh, going to be what? Like probably at the thickest section, like 0.024 inches. Right. But that's pretty thick. That's thick. Um, Especially for trying to get that quick sink rate. Yeah. um, You know, in the winter conditions. Also, that thicker butt section on that leader, uh, it coils when it gets cold. Definitely. Um, Which is why a lot of us build our own leaders, especially for the winter. Um, like I said, am I getting off topic here? I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're getting into something, but we can talk about it that, I mean, there's a reason why we, I mean, if you're building your own leader, you're going right. to have certain tippet right. because you want to be able to, we can segue this, we can get into it. Basically what I'm saying is with diameter, um, the smaller the diameter, the less, um, the less the current manipulates it, um, just yeah, because it has less surface area, the you. more the surface area, the greater the diameter. Yeah. The more the current will play with your yeah. w- with that diameter. I got you. Um, so just for for the for the fishermen out there, for the winter fishermen especially, because that's when I find it most useful to build my own leaders. Um, uh, just understand that uh, that the thicker the diameter, even with those pre-built leaders, everyone likes to fish. Um, those get really affected by current. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, and yeah, they're just, they're tough to sink. Even if they are, if they are fluorocarbon, exactly. even if they are fluorocarbon, they're, they're tough to sink. It's tough to break that yep. meniscus of the water. Definitely, the I've, There's been a lot of times where I've cast it out and have, you know, two ABs on and I watch the top section of my leader near my indicator, just sit up on the film and you're like, what the, what the hell? Exactly. It'll Watch. actually float way. Yeah. Oh no, it'll, yeah. Oh, it'll <laughs> float for a while. <laughs> yeah. So. And it, okay. So here's a point we can bring up. You know, if we are building our own leaders, we'll get into it a little bit here, but if we are building our own leaders and you're using certain tippet, um, it's going to get, like he's saying, it's going to get down quicker. It's going to cut that water quicker because it's not going to have that thick diameter on a tapered leader you might buy, I think is what Ryan's trying to get across. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you can use that tippet to your advantage there. And yeah, I got you. We got off a little bit, but we'll... We'll come back because what we can do is we can almost bring this back into what I'm about to talk Ooh, about. Are you going to do a good segue? Yeah, tapering down. Um, ah. we Building your leader, you want to taper down, right? Um, so it's good to have different sizes of tippets so we can taper down. So we have the ability to taper down a rig. And let me explain what tapering down is. Basically, if we're tapering a leader down, if you buy a tapered leader, it's tapering from a certain diameter to smaller diameter right but that thick section of leader that you buy that's pre pre you know it's already packaged it's ready to go that thick section is a lot longer than you'd expect and that's that's good but if you build a leader you can taper taper down a little bit more efficiently i think I, in my opinion i 100 percent agree um 
but also by tapering down, we can affect our rigs and we can affect how we break off. If we are going to break off, we can affect a lot of different things there. So let me just, again, stay with us. I know we're kind of off topic just a little bit and it's getting a little confusing, but, um, so if I'm nymphing or throwing a dropper rig, um, I'm going to taper down from fly to fly. Um, so I might taper down if I'm fishing a three X leader, whether pre-made or I built home built, whatever I'm fishing three X, I'm going to tie on four X. Um, and I'm going to put my weight obviously above that knot, as we talked about earlier, that's how I like to fish it. And I'm going to go to four X. I'm not going to tie on three X. I'm going to go to four X. That four X is going to go to my first fly. And then my next fly that I tie on, I quit throwing three flies these days. So I only fish two. Um, that next fly I tie on is going to be five X, whether I go eye to eye or hook to eye or whatever. And that way I'm tapering down from three X to four X to five X. And I'm right here. I'm not worried about diameter, right? It, I might be able to fit three X through that last fly, but I'm not worried about diameter here. What I'm worried about is brake strength here. And this is where, yes, it's getting a little complicated here, but hear me out on this. If you're fishing tapered down from your flies, say you hook bottom, okay? You hook bottom with your last fly, it's tied on with 5X. You're not most likely going to break off your entire rig. You might just break off that bottom fly, right? Yeah, exactly um, right. If you're fishing all 3X all the way through, you're probably going to break off your entire rig. All of it, if you hook bottom, it all has the same brake strength. So whenever I'm tying a dropper rig, again, whether nymphing or hopper dropper, or whatever, I taper down the whole way through, no matter what. Even if I'm tying, you know, on number eights or tens or twelves, I can still taper down. You have to. And I learned a very valuable lesson before I got. <laughs> it. This is where one of the stories comes in. Learned a very valuable lesson doing this. Um, I was fishing with one of my buddies. We brought him up multiple times, but old blunt mouth, Matt Miller. Um, we're floating the Taylor River. It's a tougher river to float and fish. Um, it's definitely, you know, boat-oriented and fishing-oriented. You have to be pretty, I mean, just accurate with what you do. Um, and at the time, I was just getting into guiding. I was just kind of learning all these things. I didn't, I didn't give a shit about Tippet. You know, I didn't care. <laughs> I was like, yeah, tip it, whatever. I knew what it was, but I never really thought about it too hard. So what I would do is I'd carry around spools of cigar fluorocarbon, just monofilament line. For, well, I guess it's it's fluorocarbon, but it's monofilament line. Right. It's meant to go on a spool of, you know, like a yeah spinning, a spinning rod. rod. Right, exactly. I just carry, I'd carry around six pound and eight pound. Boom, that's all I need, you know, and I just carry around a 200 yard spool. Still thinking about getting back to that. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was cheap, and there's a lot of guys who still do it, which is fine. It works for them. I'm not saying that's wrong. Love you, Jared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I learned a valuable lesson on a very rocky, cobblestony, snaggy river that will grab flies. And I just kept breaking off entire rigs. And Matt would hand me flies because I didn't have the flies I needed at the time. He did. And so he'd be like, here, you can use this one. It's working right now. And I'd tie on, you know, eight-pound cigar to eight-pound cigar to eight-pound cigar. <laughs> Dude, it, sponsoring you? Yeah, and he'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, I'm not going to sponsor you anymore if you're just going to lose <laughs> flies. And then he watched me tie on and goes, what the hell is that? What are you using right there? <laughs> right. No, 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 no. 
here's how you're supposed to do it. Here's how you taper down. So I do give, I give that credit to Matt Miller for teaching me how to taper down um, and how to do that. And there, it was a whole thing the whole day or it was like, oh shit, I've ruined a lot of situations there. <laughs> and I just, I didn't know. Right. And that, I mean, that's exactly well, what we're trying a lot to of, do. And a lot of people don't, um, you know, I didn't. We discussed it one day and I was like, well, I I kind of just started doing it and it just seemed to make sense to me. You had tip it. Right. You, yeah, exactly. So basically what Cameron's saying is, uh, is 4X is stronger than 5X or Which sounds 6X. dumb, but right. most people are going to be like, these guys are idiots. So right when now. you taper down from 4 to 5 to 6, if you snag the bottom on your 6X hook or the hook that you have tied on the 6X tippet, you're going to break that 6X off. You're not going to break your 4X off. Most likely. Most you're likely. You're not going to lose an entire rig. Which we could do a whole other podcast on tie good knots. Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically the whole idea of tapering is, is it's fishing on a budget. You won't lose. If you tie everything 4X all the way through. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose everything. Yeah. If it's you taper no four to five to six, you're only gonna lose. Uh, you're only gonna lose that six X hook. So if that's the one you're snagged on, I mean, obviously. A, a good way just to describe this, I, because it, this is a complicated subject, and it's we have been veering off here and there. But let's say I'm throwing a hopper dropper rig, okay? Um, to my hopper, this just again, this is how I do it. I might throw one X or two X to my hopper. Boat guides. <laughs> yeah, boat guides for you. <laughs> and then from there, I'm going to get away with what I can. Um, I might throw 3X below that to my first fly and then 4X to my next fly. So I am throwing three flies there on a hopper dropper rig. But let's say I cast that rig into a tree or client cast it into a tree. Most likely, because of the way I tapered it, I'm not going to lose my entire rig. I might lose I might lose one of my droppers. I might lose two of my droppers. But I'd rather lose two droppers than lose a hopper full dropper rig. So that's the way I'd like to taper down. Same on a nymph rig. I'm going to taper from 3 to 4 to 5 or from 2 to 3 to 4 depending on what I can get away with. And if you learn how to taper those and what you can get away with, you're going to save yourself money by lo- not losing flies. I think is what the point we're trying to get across here is that you're helping yourself um, by doing it this way. And I learned a hard lesson by losing all my buddies' flies, and I got a lot of shit for it. Yeah, it sounds like a hard lesson you <laughs> learned. <laughs> it was a lot harder for him. It was a lot harder for him to, for me to learn that lesson. Um, but. It happens, man. And I see a lot of people do that. We go, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? I was taught to do it this way. This is how I believe it. And now we're trying to go full circle and bring that around to everybody else. Because I brought that up to people and a lot of people don't understand how to do that or why you would do right. that. You're like, well, no, it's fine. Like I, I can fit for it. Actually, like now we're not talking about diameter. We're talking about tapering. We're talking we're about talking break about strength. Break strength now. Um, which is, that's tough to get into for sure. Um, because the whole thing about tippet is working with diameter, but there are times where you want to think about that, how it's going to break, what's going to happen. Um, 
and you know honestly how to attach it in those situations uh we've we talked to some about you know knots you know how we want to do those knots in certain times and that stuff too because it is personal preference I mean, absolutely ryan has brought up on the podcast before he's in love with the blood knot. well I'm, you know i'm a saltwater guy i can't help it one just for my ego i have to see how fast i can tie a blood knot on yeah, everything right? <laughs> there's there's a moment though where you can't connect using a blood knot you know if the tippet diameters change too much that's a good point i mean if you're going it from what i've learned it can't change too much between like 0.002 diameter yeah so blood yeah blood knot's a terrible knot for going from two extremely varied diameters let's say one x to four x exactly don't do it don't you can do it but don't do it it's not gonna work well no no a surgeon's knot is going to work better in that scenario. Absolutely. Um, um, even I think the lefty cray, right? Yeah, lefty cray. Yeah, so it's it? it's yeah. the same. Yeah. So the lefty cray is basically a, a triple surgeon's knot, right? Double or triple? Yeah. Okay. I think. I'm I not, think so. I'm not positive. Just done that. really cleverly with your forceps. Yeah, exactly. You and we should explain that, that online. <laughs> we, yeah, I, I can't. You watch a video. You can look that up online uh, on YouTube. Just lefty cray knot. Um, but there's there's different ways to connect that tippet. Um, we talked about the blood knot. You know, you don't want to vary too much in size. It's a great knot for diameters that are relatively close. If you're connecting 1x to 2x to 3x right. to, you know, you can use that blood knot. Yeah, and it's a really clean knot. That, it is. It's very clean. Uh, it turns over really well. Yep. Um, it's really clean through your guides if you get to that point. Hopefully you don't. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, it's just a good clean knot. Anyone that fishes saltwater knows the blood knot. Yeah. You just get to love it. I'm a trout guy, but I grew up a saltwater guy, so I just tie blood knots. Even from my, you know, just for my knot, for, for my weights to sit on top And building of. your own leaders, definitely go with the blood knots. They're a lot cleaner. 100% agree yeah. with you on that one. Um, you know, if you move into the surgeon's knot, it's great for connecting tippet of similar diameter, but you can also use it for connecting tippet of, you know, that very greatly in diameter yeah um you can connect a 1x to a 4x if you need right. it to. that's tough right that's a tough thing to do but you can do it also if you don't have to do that yeah. go ahead and like don't put a it. decent taper down yeah, and don't exactly. just go oh, that's why we can bring up you know we can bring back right taper down exactly you don't want to be connecting that no but if you need to you can um using that surgeons but it's definitely not as clean as a blood knot definitely sure. not um you know, and as we go to tip it to fly, if we're talking about knots right now, but if we go to tip it to fly, you know, obviously most people use a clinch knot. Um, I use the improved clinch. That's just, again, personal preference. Not saying that's the best way to go or whatever. But I do. Yeah, I mean, same thing. I, I, I like the improved clinch knot. I don't know what the brake strength is, if it's that I much know. different. Again, um, we we're bringing up brake strength. I, we, I can't tell you what yeah, the brake strength is. I don't is know it exactly. Knots. I tie the improved clinch on a warm day. On a cold day, I tie a clinch knot just because I, I try to eliminate steps. And it's all just habit, too. Right. I mean, I just tie the improved. That's just the way You I tie do what it. you do, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just what works for you. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, I was just sitting there. There's too many knots. Yeah, I was, I was freezing my ass off a couple of days ago on the river, and I broke off. And I'm sitting there tying blood knots, and I'm like, man, why am I tying a freaking blood knot? Well, I'm not, why am I not doing a lefty cray right now? Yeah. Like I'm just simple. Uh, yeah. I'm I just, mean, I've 
I put down just a good quote. I'm not sure where I heard it from. I, I feel like it was a, a boss or somebody that I heard it from, but if you can't tie a knot, tie a lot. Right. And I mean, it's, it's true. It's just, it's one of those things. And I tell clients, you know, like my job consists of tying knots and untying <laughs> knots and trying to figure that out. But, um, you know, continuing back with kind of going tip it to flies. It's, you know, we talked about the clinch, the improved clinch. I tie the non-slip loop a lot. Um, there's a lot of different names for it. I know that, but I tie the non-slip loop. I tie that to my hopper. I tie, and that was actually taught to me again by Matt Miller, but I tie that knot in different scenarios, maybe to my point fly. Maybe. It's just, it's a good knot. It is. It's a it's strong just, knot. It is. It's a very strong knot. I feel and like it allows a lot of movement, you know. And, I feel like that knot kind of claimed us a couple of times in Andros though. It did a couple on some, but that could have been my tippet on bonefish, honestly. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> could have been weak tippet. Yeah, maybe. I could have been blowing it there. Uh, uh, but that's out of my element. <laughs> I'm out of my element again when I speak about that. But He was tying bad knots. Yeah. Another good <laughs> knot, honestly, if you're if you're tying to a small bug, if you're tying to size 20 and smaller, the Davy knot. Um, I, again, it's hard to explain over a podcast, but the Davy knot, is a great knot for tying two smaller bucks. It's got a low profile. It's pretty quick, pretty easy. Um, you don't use a lot of tag end, which is nice. You're not losing a lot of tippet. And I tie that occasionally. Like I said, it's quick. It's easy. I can tie that occasionally to smaller bugs if I'm on the go, if I'm floating down a river trying to get clients back on the water. Exactly. Boom, Davy knot, done. You're good to go. Well, and um, like you were talking about some of those non-slip knots that you tie, um, those are not only are they strong knots, but they, uh, they're really effective for not just streamer fishing. And that's kind of, that yeah. was kind of the original thing is yep. that you throw them for streamers cause they get the streamers that extra play. And there's not a pinch point. Exactly. The whole right. thing that I think about with the non-slip loop is there's no pinch point. You know, if you cinch a knot all the way down to that eye, there's a pinch point Ex- right at that exactly eye where it could break. Right. Exactly. Um, right. And so I think about that with that hopper a lot too. When I go a hopper dropper rig, I throw that non-slip loop to my hopper. But that non-slip also gives that hopper some really cool play. It does, but it, it can bite you in the ass because it'll spin yep, on you. Exactly spin, right. Um, uh, which is tough. Well, but. we could talk about tippet rings, but we <laughs> that's a whole <laughs> Yeah, I don't or, know if we should get or into Or like rings. tiny swivels. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's too much hardware. You heard us say it out loud, tippet rings, tiny swivels. Do your own Suck. research. <laughs> <laughs> I know guys that use them, but there's just a lot of hardware, man. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to work with. I agree. Um, I use them and some specific rigs, but uh, for the most part, I, I'm, I'm all about keeping it simple. Definitely. As simple as possible for me. Um, if that's the difference <laughs> between a 20 fish day and a 15 fish day, uh, you know, you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, getting to the end here, I feel like we've we've tried to cover as much as we can about tippet, what tippet is, how to use tippet, how you can taper it, why to have nylon and fluoro, why to have these different things. Um, and, I mean, there are some points you can take away from this. Uh, Ryan, do you have anything you want to add to the, right now that we haven't covered? I mean, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, there's it's a, a tough subject. I won't lie. This is one of the hardest ones we've done so far. True. There's so much to it, and we all do it differently. Um, and, and you'll hear us, re- you'll hear us resort back to the same thing over and over. Uh, do what works for you. Yeah. Um, but 
plateauing in fly fishing is death. So always, always work to learn new There's things. always another option. Right. There's always a new way to put leader on. There's always a new knot. There's always a new uh, rig that you can learn. Um, so never get complacent. Get, complacency is death on the river, in my Definitely. opinion. Um, you can always grow. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's so many different rigs, so many different types of fluoro, so many different types of uh, nylon, too. I mean, there's even fluoro now that is pretty supple. Yeah. You know, um, for throwing there's, dries. Yeah, exactly, there are. Uh, so, is. I mean, options are boundless these days, guys. So. And, I mean, I think what you can take home, you know, obviously just from as much as we've talked about, about, <clears throat> I mean, just about Tippett on this podcast, what you can take home, you know, understanding the differences between nylon and fluorocarbon, understanding how to taper down with using your tippet how to taper your flies down, how to taper a leader down, um, understanding, you know, breaking points of that tippet that, and again, it's tough, man. It's right. tough to try to put it all into one and be like, this is how you do it. Well, this is how to use tippet. Well, when you heard us, you heard us say one reoccurring statement, this whole thing, it's what you can get away with. Yeah. Um, throw the thickest diameter you can get away with. Yep. Uh, Throw, and we didn't talk about this, but throw the longest uh, length of leader to tippet you can get away with um, as long as everything looks natural and works on the water. Definitely. Um, just should we talk about maybe some uh, just some different stories and different things about using tippet? I have kind of a couple ideas that just came into my head. Yeah, jump. About let's, tippet. let's jump um, into it. I've definitely used tippet for lots of different things. It's, I mean, if you have it on hand, you can, I've used it for croquis. <laughs> yeah. I've tied it on to, um, I've tied it on to sunglasses for clients and used them as croquis. Um, definitely been there. There's a good way to use tippet to get a hook out of skin. Can you do it? I've done it. And you didn't just do it like soak it in really cold water and then you no, get out like, as fast as you can. I mean, I've been there. I've yeah. had my dad rip flies and hooks and all kinds of shit. So I've definitely I've definitely watched it online. Yeah. And mainly with saltwater hooks. I've done it once. But basically what you do is like let's say somebody's got a hook buried deep past the bar. In right. their hand, arm, it doesn't matter anywhere. Basically what you'll do is you'll you can tie a loop a non-slip loop or something to some heavy tippet, you know, or mono or whatever you got on hand. Obviously you want to use like zero X or something like that. Right. And you're going to feed it around the eye, around the hook. You want it at the bend of the hook. Okay. And you're going to, you want enough tag in on the end where you can like almost wrap it around your hand. Because the whole point is you got to beat the barb. Yes. So the hard part is what you do is you, you take that tippet after you've got it onto the hook and you're going to try and wrap it around the hand, get as close as you can to that you know, so you can hold it tight. And you, what you do is you take the eye of that hook and you press it down with one hand, you press it all the way down towards the skin and then you yank. And basically what that does is it makes a very clean cut when it comes through, uh, but you're trying to get that barb to face up to come out. Gotcha. And that's the hard part, but basically you can use tippet for that. I've done it. 
Um, I pulled hooks out of people. People have pulled hold hooks out of me using <laughs> Tippet. Um, but yeah, there's a. I mean, it's you can use it for a variety of things. I mean, it's just line. What X but. is good for like floss? <laughs> None of it. <laughs> None of it. Man, I just floss. My gums are. Bleeding. But I mean, the, like I said, this was definitely one of the toughest ones we've had to cover. Where we felt we needed to cover some of these things, though, but. Ryan does have to clear something out. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, before we end this podcast, Ryan does have to clear something up. Um, so I am a couple podcasts back. Yeah, a couple like. bod- a couple podcasts back. So by trade, I am a fish biologist. This is this is my trade. Um, I misspoke uh, pretty poorly on the uh, Gila trout. Um, I thought it was a Gila cutthroat trout. I don't think such a thing exists. It's actually um, the Gila trout is a close resembling relative to the rainbow trout. It's it's an on, it, well the Latin term is Oncorhynchus gile gile, or if you're uh, if you speak Latin, it might be something else. Um, but it is more closely related to the rainbow. It exists in the Gila range. Um, closely uh in approximation to new mexico and arizona um and there are some in utah i thought that's what i said in that podcast uh, yeah you read <laughs> well it turns out i tried to cor- I, thought I, tr- I said that i tried to correct wikipedia and wikipedia got me uh, i thought i was smarter than wikipedia and oftentimes wikipedia is still smarter than me but <laughs> had to clear that one up uh, we talked about it the other day and he wanted to clear that up yeah. with everybody so my bagel um, my bagel folks again we're not on it we're not experts on any of this sub uh, any of these subjects but um trying to cover as much as we can yeah. i feel like we've almost covered as much as we can about Tippet. I don't know, man. I mean, it's. I mean, there's so much more to cover. I could, I could keep going, but why don't we, uh, why don't we leave it to uh, people sending us some emails? Yeah, people. And, if people have certain things uh, they want to send us about Tippet or certain things that they use or how they use it, um, definitely send us an email, theguidedtrip at gmail dot com. That way, we can talk about it, bring it up, and uh, maybe even correct ourselves on a couple things. Who knows? Um, but. Yeah, I think we... We have been drinking, folks. Yeah, just a couple. Not a lot, but... We did pretty good this round. Yeah. yeah. I'm only, I don't know, a couple deep, four. I don't, I don't think you said one F-bomb. I said one. You did? Yeah, I said one, I You're believe. S- you yeah. suck. Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This is the Guided Trip Fly Fishing Podcast. Cheers, folks. <laughs>